The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. City councillors have agreed that the city needs to put in place guidelines for shelter providers. Uh, guidelines that they say would, uh, they'd have to follow when offering homeless people a place to sleep, eat, and access to counselling. Now, council has directed staff to come up with uh, minimum operating standards to improve the system and help ease impacts on surrounding communities in relation to issues of social disorder. Now, all of this comes as temporary pandemic shelters are set to close this spring as well. Uh, the Herb Jamison Center, uh, the new downtown Herb Jamison Center uh, shelter is slated to open this fall. Ward 6 City Councilor Scott McKean joining me this afternoon. Hey, Scott. Hey, Jaylen. Nice to talk with you. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. Okay, so um, I, I, I'm trying to wrap my head around the fact that there aren't minimum standards in place right now or guidelines in place. Can you explain that? Yeah, well, and I don't know how common they are the rest of the country. I know some provinces have established shelter standards. Um, mm. We we have not. So we've been frustrated uh, and over that probably the whole time I've been on council, this is just built and built and built as an issue. Um, the, our major shelter, the home mission, the Herb Jameson, uh, it's a big shelter. And we heard recently from other social service agency leaders that, you know, the modern understanding of this is you don't, uh, put a large number of people with uh, complex underlying issues, mental health and addiction and trauma, uh, into a, into one big room and offer them a mat on the floor. Um, and so that's an issue in and of itself. And I don't know if you've ever been by that area sort yeah. of late afternoon, early evening, Jalen, but you see the, the long lineup. So people have, have been forced to line up sometimes in the bitter cold, to get into the shelter. And then they're evicted early morning, you know, um, before 7, maybe as early as 6, 6.30. And so those people then um, have had a bad night's sleep because they've had a mat on the floor next to people with other people with other underlying issues. Um, And uh, then they're sent out into the community. And, you know, it really struck me, somebody said to me this one time about, you know, this term sleep hygiene, which is a bit of a modern uh, term. Um, but, you know, it just means a good night's sleep. And I, I know you're always a lovely, genteel, well-mannered person. But but me, you know, give me one bad night's sleep and I can be pretty grumpy. And, and imagine having a number of them in a row. Or, or endless numbers of bad nights sleep. And, you know, it's only going to exacerbate underlying mental health issues. And, um, and, you, and, and then you're cast out into the world. Um, and, and the world doesn't always treat homeless people uh, with warm welcomes, you know. So yeah. it creates conflict after conflict after conflict. And, and that's what um, is so disappointing and frustrating about this situation. In other communities, the shelter operates 24-7. No lineups, no evictions, programming during the day, 
Um, and, and, you know, I think it was the mayor who said it really well. What we want is a shelter where people are being um, looked after and helped to towards better health, mental health, physical health, so we can get them into housing. You know, that's the ideal. It might not be the potential for all of our homeless people. They might need to go into supportive housing, which we're building um but yeah it's uh it's been a that problem has haunted this city for years and years and years um we have not had a, a shelter i i would argue our shelter perpetuates homelessness rather than helping to solve it and and, and i want to add i want to add jaylen before we go any further i've met people who work in the hope mission mm-hmm. and they're fantastic yeah so it's more like an institutional bias, the way things have always been done. I'm not sure what it is. I've talked to the to the leadership there about it, but uh, so far we haven't made any headway. So, so you know, we've got to create some red tape, um, and and I don't like that either. But we've got to get things changed at, at our shelters. So, Scott, what what does that do? For instance, if we had uh, you know the shelters open all day um if we had um you know better uh, places for um the the clients to to sleep on maybe more than just a mat what what does that do for the costs of running these shelters and, and again i know some some folks would be like well the cost doesn't matter let's do this because it'll pay off in in the long run but i i'm specifically wondering what it does for our shelters and what pressure it puts on them and and then turning around funding and trying to get money for them that sort of thing yeah no 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 doubt you've got to increase the staffing levels um so the operating costs are going to go up i don't know 30 percent 40 percent um and that's not insignificant we totally understand that and i think we would be we would stand with our shelter operator um in trying to get that additional funding for for the shelter because you know what happens is it, it it's true that it costs it would cost more money but when you have these folks that are um evicted out into the to this to this world that doesn't exactly welcome them is you have all kinds of calls for service generated to bylaw officers police officers paramedics um people uh especially in cold uh, are more like much more likely to end up in emergency rooms and needing hospitalizations we we have uh the systems we've had and you know and i i'm not blaming any specific government but you know we we shuttered a lot of our psychiatric hospitals uh in the night i think it began in the 1980s across north america and there was this promise made then and i was starting out in journalism then and i can remember writing about it that the don't not worry the community resources will be put in place <laughs> so that the folks that were being institutionalized in the old gothic um psychiatric hospitals would be looked after in a much more humane way and yeah. but you know what happened was a lot of them ended up homeless and on the street uh using uh, illicit drugs and and um and creating untold problems for neighborhoods, business areas, 
And, you know, we just have to do much better than that. A shelter is part of the system. But it, you know, really shelters were never designed or thought to be places where you would have people with significant psychiatric issues being uh, sheltered there. Um, those people need specific, specialized care, and they're not getting it. Yeah, where do they go right now? I mean, if they can't be in a shelter, where do those folks go, Scott? Or do they just go back out onto the streets? They're on the street, and they're in the shelters, and they're in the River Valley, uh, uh, setting up encampments. Even when, you know, you, prior to the pandemic, uh, yeah. the Hope Mission Shelter often had a couple of hundred vacancies, but we had 500 people sleeping rough on the street. So, so there's, there was, you know, I mean, there's, there's other issues like, you know, God bless these people, but you know, they're pushing around their worldly goods in a shopping cart, everything they have in their life. And we've all seen that scene. Um, at, at the shelter, they couldn't store their, there was no place to, yeah. you know, to, yeah. you know like a, a, a a lockup for their goods so that that was another reason why people didn't go there because they were um they were afraid their stuff would get stolen but there was also some of them just felt it was dangerous there they were safer sleeping in a you know in a makeshift tent somewhere in the river valley even in really cold temperatures like it's it, it, it was a re it, it's a real indictment i think of the housing and shelter systems we've had that that there are people sleeping out in the river valley i i went out one time with our 24 7 response team and met the sweetest couple that were living near the berm on 97th street uh, north of 118th avenue it was cold it was middle of winter and i asked them how they did it and he was explaining how they piled up their snow over their sleeping bags and, mm. you know, huddled together. And it just like, oh, broke my heart. So, you know, Scott, here's the thing, though, you know, and not here, here's the thing, but yeah, I guess here is the thing. I think there's, there's, a, there's a lot of work that still needs to be done to change the way of thinking when it comes to the, the chronically unhoused, those with uh, addiction issues, those with mental health issues. And I know this is something that you've been working on for years. You know, I, I don't have to take a look at my text line to say, you know, there's, there's, you're never going to solve homelessness. There's always going to be people out there who would rather be on the living out there and and I, I don't I don't know if that's that's true or not but we need to make sure that we have the the options in place for those who who want to move out of that who want to uh, and who can and will work towards getting getting better but this is and i've said it a zillion times it's a it's an onion and every time you peel it back there's another layer yep. and I, i'm not sure that we're necessarily looking at all of the layers we try to take care of one thing and we forget about we forget about something else and and there's a whole boatload of people in the community that really don't give a crap although they do give a crap when they say that they don't want to go downtown because they're they're scared to go go downtown because of the social disorder that they're saying that they're seeing. It's 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 rather convoluted, isn't it? It's a really complex issue with a lot of elements. And I I'm going to challenge you on a couple of things you said, if you don't mm -hmm. mind. One is that Absolutely. I do I actually think Edmonton has strong community values and has a big heart. I really do believe that, and I've often said. 
if we could have everybody, every adult in Edmonton have an hour with a homeless person and hear their story, there we would they would rise up and demand that government solve this issue because the stories are tragic and really sad. And, you know, we all have, or a majority of us have tremendous sense of empathy in us. So we got to solve that. Um, the, the other thing is anybody who, you know, would choose homelessness, I, I, I struggle with the idea that it's a choice. If it truly was a choice, then I think we're probably dealing with somebody with some sort of underlying mental illness. And it may be a responsibility of the community then to look after that person. I mean, the police have that ability to take somebody to a psychiatric facility and get them assessed because, you know, you want to live outside and it's minus 25 out. Um, we care about you enough. And the other thing is, you know, I I deal with this all the time with the River Valley communities that I represent and, you know, some of the other communities uh, in, in and around downtown. They suffer too. And, and I'm, mm-hmm. you know, um, there is there is constant break-ins and social disorder and spent needles. And, you know, I, I, I have spent my last seven years on, on council sort of um, arguing for housing for the homeless. But, it, but we cannot forget the other side of this equation, and that is that the communities and the business commercial areas that, that suffer the side effects of homelessness deserve uh, to be protected from the side effects of homelessness too. And there, you know, I think, you know, in talking to the police recently and dealing with some of the problems we've seen, there, there is a minority, I would think, a small minority in the, in the homeless community who, who perhaps need another level of, of security. Um, you know, maybe, you know, the, the shelter or our supportive housing, maybe that's not enough. It might be forensic psychiatric units or, and again, I'm not writing them off. Some of these people came from such horrors that I'm not surprised if they ended up being violent or dangerous or, but, but we need to protect everybody, including the other homeless people uh, from those sorts of characters too. So I just want to add that level of complexity. Yeah, and I agree with you. I agree with your points there, Scott. We're pretty much out of time. I'm up against the clock here. So where does this go from here? Um, you know, you've instructed. Um, you know, you've you know asked for guidelines. What does that look like? What when can we see this? And then what happens? Well, I think we're going to get the report back by June. And the trick is whether or not the a municipal government has the legal authority to create these shelter standards. Mm-hmm. We do in some cases. When you start to get uh, legislation uh, and different levels uh, of uh, government involved, it can get very tricky. So I think, though, we're going to push hard, and um, we, we set standards uh, for all sorts of things in, in, in our community. And I think uh, setting it for this, for this shelter, and, and I might add to that by writing some letters to their major donors, asking them to put a little pressure on, too, for, for a different way of, of looking after uh, these folks that stay in shelter overnight. Um, not only do they deserve more humane treatment, um, 
so do all the neighborhoods and the commercial areas that suffer from the side effects of homelessness. So I really do think it can be a win-win, um, but we're going to have to continue pushing on um, on Hope Mission and the Herb Jameson to, to do better. You know, uh, I, I forgot what a great writer you were, uh, Scott, um, but I was reading a lot of your, your blog posts on your website today at scottmckean.ca, and you outline a lot of, you bring up a lot of really great conversations and a lot of food for thought that touches on all of this, and I'm going to urge people to check it out at scottmckean.ca. Scott McKean, uh, Ward 6 City Councillor, joining me this afternoon. Always great to talk with you. Thank you for this. Thanks, Jillian. Take care. Scott McKean joining us this afternoon. Not running again uh, in October. We heard word that Andrew Knack uh, not throwing his hat in for mayor this go-around. will stay as uh, in, in uh, a trying to represent the, uh, the ward that he has been in for the past number of years.